Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. This morning in the sermon, it is that if you don't know Jesus, you would fall in love with him, and that if you do know Jesus, you would fall more deeply in love with him. Because in the end of, of all the analysis of what goes on in life and in the church, the bottom line of it all is this. Did you love him? Did you love him? The question isn't, did he love you? That's for certain. The question is, did you love him? You know, there's some uh, roads around here, little off the main drag kinds of roads. They're the little two-lane, don't have any shoulder trees right up to the edge, canopy over the road kind of roads. You know what I'm talking about? Um, I, they, especially in the spring, but uh, uh, anytime the leaves are on especially, I, I like driving on those roads with the, the trees that come up and they grow over the roads. I just don't know how the state highway departments cuts the leaves at exactly the right height for, for all the cars to get through. I think that's just ingenious. Oh, come on, that was funny. <laughs> all right, no more jokes for you. But I like driving through that. I, I, like, I like the color. I, I, I like the, the sense of vitality and the, and the life of it. And, and uh, I, ju I just like driving on these roads. There's a couple of them particularly that I just like driving on these roads, and I just notice it all, and I just take it all in. But I have to tell you, there are some times when I'll turn onto that very same road, the, the same road that I so enjoy watching all the color and the leaves and, and all that, and I'll get on that very same road, and I'll turn onto the road, and then I'll turn off the road, and I can't remember being on the road. Now, for some of you, that's no crisis, but I'm over 60 years of age, and any time I can't remember something, I start to worry. <laughs> and I try to figure out, you know, did I go through a stop sign? Did I hit somebody? Did I, did, you know, was I in an accident? Now I'm, I'm a fugitive from justice, and, and, and I just can't remember it because I, my mind shifted. I don't even know what it shifted into, but, uh, you know, it certainly wasn't paying attention to what was going on. Now, you've never done that. <laughs> yeah, right. But, uh, you know, but even so, in life I find myself doing that. You know, I'll, I'll just go through a week or a month or so, and then I'll look back and I'll say, you know, what really have I done? You know, where was I? What was I doing? What was I thinking? And, and these kinds of things will also happen in our spiritual walk. You know, there are times when we're really excited about Christ, we're really excited about the things of God, and we're really in tune with the work and the movement of the Spirit, and we're absolutely uh, just anxious every moment to see how, what God is going to do next and how he's going to work things out, and we're just going along with that, and, and it's just an exciting time. And then aren't there other times when we go through our walk with Christ and it's pretty much regimented, we have it scheduled in, we go to church on Sunday, Sunday, we go to church on Wednesday, we have our Bible study scheduled on maybe Thursday, we have a, a, our devotional time scheduled in the morning, and we check all those boxes off, and after about a month of that, we wonder, where have we been? 
You know, what, what has really gone on? Has that happened to anybody else but me? I think most of you know I, I grew up in churches, not one church, but churches. Uh, my father was a, um, a, a Navy chaplain for the first part of my life, and so we were uh, in base uh, chapel programs most of the time. We, if we were stateside, we would join a local Baptist church as well. And so saw a lot of churches and had a lot of church stuff going on. And, uh, and, and like many of you, I've seen a lot of different ways that people worship. But one thing I've noticed about them all is that it's very easy to slip into neutral and just sort of coast through things. And after a few days of that, or a few months of that, after a few years of that, you start to wonder, well, Where's the connection? What's, what's going on here? And so I want for us to think about how we get back in touch with Christ and how we get back to that fervency and how we get back to that, that joyful commitment and walk with Christ that, that is his design for us. I want for us to use uh, Revelation chapter 2, this letter to the Ephesians. I, I tried to explain a little bit of it uh, a moment ago and to see how Jesus deals with this church and the principles that he has here for the church are also valid, I, I believe, for individual lives. So I hope you have your scripture in front of me. Uh, in front of me, yes. Have your scripture in front of me. Hold it up because this is too close to read. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, have your scripture in front of you, and uh, we'll read it together. So Jesus says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write this. The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. <laughs> you know, if you're in touch with, with what God is doing in this verse, right now you're doing spiritual roundhouse kicks and fist pumps and hallelujahs. And, uh, don't, don't actually do it. We're Baptists, okay. But this verse is just laced with the grace of God. Absolutely laced with the grace of God. Jesus identifies himself as the one who holds the stars. The stars, we're told, are the angels. The angels, we believe, are the leaders, the, uh, the pastors of the churches. And even though he has some harsh things to say and some tough things to say, there's seven letters here, and all but two of them get condemnation of some kind or another. And even though there are problems in these churches, Jesus says, I hold you in my hand. You see, you can let go of God. God's not going to let go of you. What I can tell you from my personal experience is that in those moments when the lights have gone out and all seems like darkness, God is actually shining brighter than ever. In those moments where you feel as though God is entirely distant from you, those are the moments when God is, is actually closer than you ever imagined before. Jesus said, I'm the one who holds the stars in my hand. I don't let go of you. Yeah, you've got problems. Yeah, there are difficulties. Yeah, there's some things I want to work with. Yeah, you are not perfect, but I hold you in my hand, and I'm not letting go of you. And he says, when I walk in the midst of the lampstands, the lampstands stand for the congregations, the churches. Uh, there's seven of them mentioned here. They, they sort of surround the area of Ephesus. And Jesus says, I'm in your midst. I'm walking with you. I haven't abandoned you. I mean, this is like a really cool message if you're the first church of, of Ephesus. It's like a really cool message if you're the first Baptist church of Waldorf. That Jesus says, I'm walking in your midst. And look, folks, it has nothing to do with how great we are. 
It's not as though Jesus looked around and said, you know, the music's really good at First Baptist. I think I'll, I'll, I'll be there today. No, what he said was, I've got a couple of my, of, of my brothers and sisters there. I'm going to be there today. He is here because of his promise. So, so that's, just, that's just the grace of God absolutely working. We just need to keep that in mind as we go through the rest of this passage, that God's grace and working in our lives is totally the result of who he is and totally the result of his love and compassion for us. So Jesus says, I'm, I've, I've got you in my hand. I'm holding you in my hand. I'm present in your life. And here's what I have to say. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you can't bear with those who are evil, how you've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you found them to be false. Later on, he says, and you hate the works of the Nicolaitans. We're not sure what the Nicolaitans were about, but we know that Jesus hated their works, and so did the Ephesians. He said, look, I know what's going on in your life. He said, I, I see that you're, you're working very, very hard. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on around here. There are a lot of things that you can be involved around here. Maybe uh, if you were here during the Sunday school hour, you may have seen a little bit of, a, of, of disruption in the neatness of the church. That's called Vacation Bible School. Now, for this past week, we've had over 200 people, almost 200 children, but with, with the workers and the helpers and so forth, we had well over 200 folks in the building for a solid week uh, learning about missions and learning about the scriptures and singing songs and being cute and making noise, and I can guarantee you and certify and making a mess. In fact, in fact, this, this is such a mess and it's such an encouraging mess that I saved it for you to look at. It's in the hallway down by the... Uh, the there was no room in the dumpster, so I had to do something with it. And, and so uh, what you thought was a, was a decorative ocean sculpture is actually bags of trash. But there's so much going on and so much to do. And Jesus said, I see you doing that. I see you working really hard at this church thing. I see that you've got your programs down and you've got your worship services down and you've got your, your ministries down. You are really working hard. You're, you're just laborious in, in, in the kinds of things you do, uh, are, are doing. He says, I see what you are doing. And not only that, I see how you're enduring. You're not giving up on this thing. You're going through it. You know, when you uh, became a Christian in Ephesus, it wasn't a very popular thing. You know, you, you accepted Christ. You were all excited about it. You went out into the marketplace and said, Hey, folks, I worship Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, who saved me by dying on the cross for my sins. And all your neighbors around you would say, Whoa, and wait a minute. We've got a kook on our hands. And the persecution would begin, and we know from, uh, from the historical evidence that Christians lost their homes, and they lost their businesses, and they, and they lost their, their jobs, and, and they were ostracized from uh, society. We know that all these things happen, and Jesus says, I realize that, and I see that, and I see how you're enduring. You, you keep going with that, and, and that, that's terrific. I, I like to see that. What else? Oh, oh he says, and, and I, I see that you don't abide evil. You don't allow for immorality to creep in, uh, even though the society around you calls it by all different names, none of it sin or evil. You recognize it as a violation of God's will for the human race. You see it's, it's evil. You see it's sin. And you are opposed to that. You're standing up for righteousness. I get that and I see that. That's wonderful. He says, and you're orthodox in your, in your faith and in your theology. Uh, you test out those who claim to be apostles, and they're not. But you, you recognize that, and you can, you, you can discern that. Your, your theology is, is, is there, and it's great. 
Folks, I love theology. I do it for a living, and I do it for a passion. Uh, you too are theologians. You just don't know. But I love to read about how the, the, the system of Christian thought works together and encompasses every field of human knowledge. Uh, the, the, uh, the people in the Middle Ages used to call theology the queen of the, of, of the sciences, and I still think that theology is the queen of the sciences because Jesus Christ is king of the sciences. But, and theology is just talking about, about Jesus, about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Anyway, I, I digress. But I, I love theology, but nobody was ever saved by theology. You can know a lot of theology and never know Jesus. I had a professor at, uh, at, at the university in, in, in one of my religion classes, and um, I went into him uh, one time to uh, try to explain to him why Rudolf Bultmann was wrong. And uh, by the way, don't try that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not a very popular thing with liberal. Anyway, but uh, as I was talking to him, we, we got to sharing, got to talking. He said, oh, yeah, he said, I grew up in the church, but my wife tells me that my sermons are no good now that I, uh, that I have a Ph.D. And, of course, that, that bothered me a little bit. But, um, but here, here was the point. You can learn and learn and learn, and none of it draw you closer to Christ. Jesus said, I, I, I see your orthodoxy. I see you're your theologically correct. He said, and, and I'm for that. There's something to be said for theological precision. Right? That's, that's, that's really what, what uh, a lot of what I do is about. But he says, I see your theological position, and I see all of, all of these things. I see you're enduring patiently for my name's sake. You've not grown weary. And then he says, but I have just one thing against you. Just one thing. You got the programs, you got the church, you got the numbers, you got, you got the theology, you got the endurance, you got the patience. You've got all these things, but here's what's lacking. This translation says, you have abandoned the love you had at first. You've lost your first love. He doesn't say, you don't love me. He just says, you don't love me the way you used to. Does this sound familiar to anybody other than, you know, I mean, not even in, in theological circles, but, you know, the, 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 I, you know if, if we really contemporary, I'd have the guys in the back be singing, the thrill is gone, you know, right now. <laughs> you, <laughs> you can thank me later for not actually singing the thing. But he says, this is what I have against you. You have lost your first love. Do you remember what it was like when you first fell in love with Jesus? Do you remember what it was like when you came to the cross? And there you realized that Jesus had died for your sins to cleanse you of your rebellion against uh, the Father, that to restore you, to, to bring you into a, a relationship with the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember what it was like when you realized that your sins really are forgiven and that you are a new creation in Christ? Do you remember what happened? Did any of you actually feel as though other people ought to know about it? Did any of you actually feel as though uh, you wanted to spend all your time learning about this Jesus guy? Learning, learning from the Word about Jesus, that television was an intrusion into your Jesus time, that uh, all these other distractions and entertainments and diversions, they were just intruding on the time you could have been spending learning about Jesus? Jesus says, well, whatever else is going on with you, I don't see that first love for me anymore. And you've lost your first love. 
that first kind of love. What I would pray for you this morning is that you would fall in love with Jesus. And he gives us a way back. All right? Look at the next verse. Jesus says to them, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Remember where you were. I wonder if Peter, time and time again, had to think back to that moment at Caesarea Philippi when he said, Jesus, you're the Christ, the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Peter, not only are you right, but you didn't even figure it out. What happened was my Father in heaven revealed it to you. He put it in your heart and in your mind to know that I am the Christ and that I am the Son of God. God has done a marvelous work. In other words, Peter would think back and say, you know, that's right, it just hit me out of the blue. I don't know if you ever fell in love, but it kind of hits you out of the blue. I mean, just suddenly the whole world changes. Suddenly you change. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to tell the story. De De Debbie, and I, <laughs> Debbie and I went to high school together. We met our senior year in high school, okay? And uh, we shared a class together. Uh, it was economics and sociology. And um, the, the first half of the year, uh, it was sort of my hobby to argue, argue with the, uh, the teacher. Uh, no matter what he said, I, I would argue with him. If he said the sky is blue, I would point out that in point of fact, there is no color to the sky. It's transparent. All you're actually seeing is the diffraction of light and the, you know, the blah, the blah, the blah. I mean, it's an amazing thing that he, yeah, right. Yeah, but it's an amazing thing he didn't kill me. Okay. <laughs> you and me, simpatico, man. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, but I would argue it. You know, every class I would just be arguing back and forth, arguing, arguing, arguing. Then in February, I stopped arguing. You know, I would sit in class and I'd just look at him. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah, sure. That, that's good. That's fine. The teacher was worried about me. He went to Debbie. What he found out was, no, I wasn't sick. I was in love. I mean, why are you with this guy when I can think about her? You know, and that's what falling in love does. Why would you spend your time on anybody else when you can think about him and just rejoice in him and glorify in him? And Jesus says, if you want that first love back, return to that opening moment. Come back to the cross of Jesus Christ. There again, see the great love Jesus has for you that had no bounds and no limits. That love that looked past and beyond all the frailties and all the failures and all the, all the, the sin and all the rebellion, all the brokenness, and saw you as God wanted you to be and loved you as you are and loved you to make you something new again. So come back to the cross and, 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 and recapture that excitement of what happened to you. I wonder if Thomas ever had to think back, and I'm, I'm sure he did thought back to that time when he went into the room and the other disciples were there and they said, Hey, Tom, 
Jesus is risen. We have seen him. And Thomas says, no, 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 no. Practical joke time is over. It's too soon for Jesus jokes, okay? Uh, we're just not going there. Because I love him too much to believe what you told me unless I see him myself and touch him for myself. But a week later, Thomas goes into the room, and there's Jesus. Jesus says, Tom, look, touch my hands. See the nail prints. Put your hand in my side where the scar is. And Thomas fell down at the feet of Jesus, and he said, my Lord and my God. No, he didn't say it that way. My Lord and my God. But guys, it's my Lord. It's, it's my God. Jesus, my Lord, my God. Come back to that moment time and time again. And the strength is failing, and when the, uh, and, and all seems turning against you, come back to that, that moment again and again and again. See, I can't tell you how or why, but all I know is that there was a moment, just a moment in my life, and on one side of that moment, my heart was filled with anger and resentment and bitterness, and it was killing me. And on the other side of that moment, I had a heart of love, forgiveness, and service. And in a moment, Jesus did that for me. Folks, what I can tell you is there are times in life when that's been all I've had to hang on to. You know, there are, there are times in life where, where everything else is falling apart, and you just go back and say, but Jesus changed me in a moment. And a Jesus who can do that and a Jesus who loves me that much is not going to abandon me now, and he's not going to turn back on me now. Just come back to that moment. Think about the things, where you've been, what it was like. Go back to that moment in your heart and in your mind. and Remember what Jesus has already done for you. And then he says, repent. He said, remember from once you've fallen. Once you remember, then repent. In other words, just say, Lord, this isn't where I need to be. It's not where I want to be. I need to be back there with that wholehearted passion and love for Jesus Christ. I need to get back to those opening moments again. We talked about repentance last week, and, and one of the reasons repentance is healthy is it puts you onto a path of returning to where you need to be and, and, and of growing again and living again. So it, it, you know, you're not going to fool Jesus by, by, by saying, well, Jesus, I don't have to tell you I love you. I accepted you, didn't I? Yeah. I go to church, don't I? No, I understand. Yes, Jesus, I need to tell you I love you. And I need to repent of where I, where I am. And then he says, not only repent, recall from whence you've fallen, repent. And then he says, and do the works you did at first. Just go right back there. You know, one of the signs that someone has just become a Christian is that they can't get enough of Jesus. They can't worship him enough. They can't sing about him enough. They can't talk about him enough. They can't think about him enough. It just seems like Jesus is everything. Almost like Jesus is all the world to me. That's why we sing songs like that. 
says, go back and do the things you did at first. One of the signs that someone has accepted Christ as Lord and Savior is they fall in love with the Word of God. They fall in love with the Scriptures because that's where you learn who Jesus is. That's where you see what He says and what He has done, and, and you're brought into who Jesus Christ is through the Word of God. And there's a great love for the Scriptures when you're in love with Jesus. And in those opening moments, you couldn't get enough Bible. Go back and do the things you did at first. Get back into the Word. Get back deeply into the Scriptures. Let God's Holy Spirit just take the Word of God and, and put it into your heart and mold your heart and, and change who you are and bring you and conform you to the image of Christ. One of the marks that someone has, has received Christ as their Lord and Savior is they fall in love with the body of Christ. They just can't get enough church. They can't get enough worship. They can't get enough fellowship. They can't get enough time spent together praising God, joining voices together. They just can't get enough church. Now, when I say that, I don't mean enough religion. They can't get enough of the body of Christ, surrounded by other believers who bear the same testimony. Do the things you did at first. You know, let your life be dominated by the thought of Jesus Christ. Get deeply into the Word. Get deeply into the, into the body of Christ. Get deeply into worship together, corporate worship together. Do those things, because as we do that, that first love begins to return. My invitation to you is that you would understand where you were, and you're not there right now. Say, I repent of that. That's not where I want to be. Let's do what we did before. Let's fall in love with Jesus all over again. Let me give you just a, a secondary application, okay? This, by the way, works wonders in a marriage. Remember where you were. Repent because that's where you need to be. And just do it. Just do the things you did at first and fall in love all over again. It'll work in your life. It works in all kinds of things because it's the Word of God, and God's Word is true no matter where you are or what's going on in your life. Before you this morning... My, my, my challenge to you, my, my suggestion to you, um, is that you would just have a, a passion for Jesus Christ that is transforming your life and dominating who you are. So sometime this week, not hard to remember, sometime this, this week, just pause to remember where you need to be with Jesus Christ. Repent and then return to doing the things you did at first. That the Holy Spirit would awaken in you that passionate first-time love for Jesus that would glorify Him, glorify the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you do that? Let's do that. All right, let's pray together, and then we'll, we'll, we'll close. And Father in heaven, how thankful I am that um, while we wander away, you never wander from us. And, Father, that even though we may uh, hit times in our lives that uh, are, are, are somewhat less devoted, your love for us is always complete and everlasting and unconditional. Father, I'm thankful that you're faithful when we're not. And so I ask your Holy Spirit to, to just come upon us, fill the hearts of the folks in this room, and reawaken that love and that passion for Jesus that he would reign supremely in every life.
be put on display as the one worthy of all praise and adoration. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. My Jesus, I love thee. Let's stand together and sing it like we mean it, folks. Page 79 in the hymnals if you're following along. 